This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. I mean, one of the questions I get asked all the time, and, it, and it's really interesting because I get asked it and it's so wrong, is, oh, Sam, how do you get the balance so right? How do you juggle it so well? And, and I don't. You know, Snez and I get asked that question like we're super parents or, yeah. you know, we never have, we never get angry or, you know, the ki- we live this perfect existence because people kind of, you know, get a very unrealistic snapshot of your life through social media. But, you know, I think it's really important to tell people that we don't, you know, we're sleepy, we're tired and we're grumpy and we forget things and, um, you know, we try our best, but there is no perfect balance. Live life golden. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. I've, uh, I, you know, I, I after doing, you know, I obviously know a fair bit about you, but after doing some research, looking back and, and seeing that you're you're a PT just like me, and yep. and you know, obviously. Um, Watching, you know, I mean, we obviously have a mutual in Annie, but, you know, um, once she said that she was moving across to, to work with you, I kind of paid, uh, paid a fair bit of attention and, and um, it's pretty crazy to see how far um, 28 uh, with Sam will just come. Yeah, we've got our sixth birthday in a week and it's, uh, it's been a wild ride, that's for sure. 100%. Um, so what we might start with is a little bit about you, you and, and obviously your journey and, sure. and kind of where it all started. Yes, I've been in the, um, I'll show my age here, mate, but I've been in the fitness industry for 21 years. I uh, came across from Hobart to Melbourne to study exercise science and at the end I worked in uh, the university gym and a YMCA gym, gym instructing and kind of getting a taste for it. I'd, I'd, I'd trained myself for a couple of years um, as I was sick of being a skinny runt and yeah. wanted to get in the gym and lift some weights and put a bit of beef on um, and sort of fell in love with it and was pretty blown away with just how much you could change your body you know a lot of people that get into personal training sort of have got the other story of their own weight loss journey whereas for me it was actually weight gain and putting on some muscle and gaining some self-esteem and some confidence but I feel like it had a very similar sort of impact mentally on just how how much I realized it could change you both sort of psychologically and physically and um, yeah so fell in love with it I've always loved sport I've always loved people and I remember at the, the end of that first year of human movement, I was up in Ballarat and a guy came up and he did a presentation to all the sort of first, second and third years about personal training as an industry. He had a huge PT studio in Brighton, 30 trainers working for him. You know, it was 2000, so it was pretty early on, even, even PT hadn't really reached the heights that it's at now where every man and their dog's got a personal <laughs> yeah, trainer yeah. or Oya is a personal trainer. <laughs> but he, um, he gave us his, took us on this sort of incredible journey and told us this uh, great story where we all had this incredible picture in our heads of this, you know, thousand square metre PT studio pumping with music and all these great diverse trainers. And I asked him if I could do work experience at the end of that um, presentation. I went up and sort of pestered him and... He said no, he said, oh, I don't really do that, I mean, you're in Ballarat, I'm in Melbourne, I'm not meaning to be rude or sort of, you know, shoot you down, but I just don't see how logistically it's going to work and I probably don't have time to have a uni student running around bugging me. Anyway, I called him the next week and said, look, I'm not going to take no for an answer, um, I promise I won't get in the way, I'll clean toilets, I'll be there at four in the morning, just, just give me a chance. Anyway, he begrudgingly said yes <laughs> and in the next holiday break I went down and spent a week with him um, at this Brighton studio called Harper's and at the end of that six days of 5am starts and didn't sort of say boo and just helped anyone that I could and soaked up as much information as I could like a sponge he offered me a job he said if you're happy to transfer to a Melbourne uni um, to do your human movement degree I'd love to have you here as a trainer and yeah that was the start of jumping from sort of gym instruction into PT straight in the deep end at a pretty busy studio um, I'm sure your experiences are it's very different being in a, a PT studio where it's just personal training versus being on the gym floor trying to acquire clients and mm. people that might be there just wanting to do their own thing and you've got to kind of win them over. Every one of the clients that was at this studio was there as a designated personal training client. So it was sort of high end and fairly exclusive but also on a fairly big scale. And um, yeah, it was just like it was one of those things that I was meant to do, you know, by... 
Easter of that first year, I was doing 60 appointments a week and still doing uni and and that's sort of how it fared for the next four or five years. I did uni part-time, did 60 or 70 PT appointments a week, loved every second of it. And um, yeah, that was the first chapter before um, venturing into the kids' fitness space. It's, uh, you know, you look back at those days, the 60 appointments a week and, and you know what, like back then I look at it and I go, I was in love with it. At yeah, the time. and I was. I was 21 and bulletproof and didn't, yeah. the morning, early mornings didn't worry me and, you know, you just more, more, more. I, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and I also, um, one of the things I want to talk to you about today, and we'll obviously go into that later on, is fatherhood, but uh, I think I was listening to another podcast that you're on and, and uh, that was the light switch for me too, that, hang on, I don't know if this is sustainable. Like, what, what does this look like when I'm, say, you know, 30, 35, yeah. 40? And that was one of the things that actually sparked me to to try to um, obviously take the next step in business as well. So, you know, is that something, because I, I obviously heard that that was something that you, you went through as well? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a combination of things. You know, I was always interested in reading business books and, you know, the whole don't work <coughs> uh, in the business, work on the business mm. and independent income streams are critical for scale and success and reaching the heights that you really want to reach to perhaps financially, but more so freedom and lifestyle and, I'd also, you know, there's 30 trainers in this studio and some of them were in their late 30s and 40s and they weren't enjoying it. You know, they were resenting it. They were a bit grumpy. Um, they had been saying, when I'm 30, this is not going to be me mm-hmm. and then when I'm 35, this is not going to be me. And I'd always sort of said, you keep saying that, you know, I've been here for three years now and you keep telling me about these grand business plans and I haven't seen any of them necessarily come to fruition and I'd never said it to them, but I remember sort of feeling like a bit of a fly on the wall going, you're no further along to getting out of this lifestyle than perhaps you said you were going to be three mm. or four years ago. Sort of made a promise to myself that that wasn't going to be me, but the, the biggest catalyst was kids. You know, I knew I wanted to be a dad. Um, my dad worked really big hours when I was young and I know it's one of his it was one of his um, regrets and things that he uh, he found it difficult to get that balance right and he would have loved to have spent more time with with my brother sister and I when he was a dad uh, when we were kids growing up but we made up for it in, in later in life but definitely during those school years and I just didn't want to be the dad who wasn't there for school pickup or or you know as a PT you kind of miss both you know I was working in Bayside so you're doing split shifts. It's very hard to get PT clients in the middle of the day, but everyone wants to train with you at 5, 6, 7 a.m. and 5, 6, 7 p.m. So it's a strange lifestyle, and if you want to make the money and and um, and sort of maximise your potential financially, you don't have any choice but to do those hours, and it can be a bit of a grind. Yeah, and that's that's the hard thing, right? When you're in that position, you know you have to make a decision. Well, all right, well, maybe I won't work the p.m. shifts. It's like, yeah. But then, obviously, that comes at sacrifice of income. Um, yeah, it does, it and, does. And that kind of plays into the, the very thing we were talking about, you know, not just about being there for your kids, but also being able to, you know, um, you know put food on the table and, and these kind of things. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, I look back now and I, I don't know, everything's you know, great in retrospect, but... I still wasn't thinking that big, oh, you know, I like so. I was thinking I want my own gym or I want, you know, the, the path I ventured down next was my own kids fitness centre. And it was, it was one, I loved working with kids, two, I thought there was a real sort of need for it and, you know, kids weren't, weren't active enough. Um, I was sort of blown away by how many parents would bring their kids to do PT with me. You know, I was getting up to 80 appointments a week and 20 or 30 of them with kids and that was kind of a very unique situation to be in. I really enjoyed training kids from kids that needed to get more active to elite athletes that wanted to be pro tennis players or get drafted to the AFL or whatever it was. It was a real sort of mixed bag on the spectrum there of levels and um, aspirations. But, you know, the business side of things was I just, how do I have a business where I'm earning some money if I'm there or I'm not there? And I think that's everybody's dream, but it's easier easier said than done, as I soon learnt over the next sort of seven or eight years with what was uh, Gecko. So 2007, I launched Gecko. Been a PT for six years. I went to Craig, who was my boss at the time, the guy that had come and done the talk to me at uni, and I said, "Look, is that Craig Harper?" Yeah, yeah. So Amazing. Craig, yeah. So Craig was my my boss and a mentor to me, and and we're still really good friends to this day. I said to him, I said, mate, I want to go out and I want to do my own thing. 
He said, oh, what are you saying? You're going to start your own PT studio? And I said, oh, no, I actually think I'm going to do a kids fitness centre. And he said, oh, look, why don't we do it together? And that was kind of a nice reassuring, hand-holding you know, suggestion that was like, okay, we can do that. So we went into business together. Gecko Kids Fitness was Australia's first ever kids gym. It was a pretty novel concept. We rented a huge garage, about 600 square metres um, in Hampton, um, stripped it all back, got all the oil and crap off the walls and floor and put AstroTurf and basketball rings and cricket pitches and little bikes and little rowers and boxing bags. It was pretty cool. Like, you walked in and it was a real, um, you know, really cool stimulation, both, you know, visually and there was cool music playing and lots of bright colours. And it went really well. We just, you know, we were making it up as we went along. I mean, I knew what I was doing when it came to the physical side of things and training kids, but from a business side of things, I sort of didn't. You know, I still remember... A lady came in on about the seventh day that we were open and she's like, oh, I can't see a brochure for your birthday parties. I'm like, oh, shit, birthday parties, good idea. You know, like, <laughs> oh, they're at the printers, you know, what's your email? I'll send you all the information. Just sort of made up that we did, you know, Soccer World Cup and footy fanatics and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Business birthday parties ended up being about 30% of our revenue. And, it, it, you know, then we did Junior Gecko, which is a three- to five-year-old developmental program. We did... After school classes, we did incursions into schools, we did birthday parties, holiday programs, footy camps with Chris Judd and all this kind of stuff. It was, it was a real adventure, but it was, I hadn't actually solved the problem because mm. the whole business revolved around me so much. You know, every parent was still like, oh, is that Sam's class and will Sam ta- be taking my birthday party and will Sam be there? And we hadn't solved for the, you know, the whole business that are revolving around me. So we then, you know, two years in, it was a great business. I was really proud of it, but hadn't really changed what I was doing. I was probably earning about the same amount of money working the same amount of hours. That might have been slightly different hours, not so early in the morning for the little kids, but hadn't really solved what I was trying to solve. So then we looked at expansion models. And for kids' fitness, <coughs> we thought the, the obvious one was some kind of licensing arrangement, sort of mm. like a Les Mills type thing, but yep. for kids' fitness into existing gyms. Uh, I know you've worked in the good life system and that kind of thing, and you know how it all works. These franchises, there's big opportunities that if you can get one on board, you can get 50 or 100 on board potentially, whether they're mm. company-owned or franchises. And so we headed down that path, and we had, we had relatively good success from a growth perspective. You know, we signed 40 or 50 gyms up in 12 months, we bought all these equipment kits, wrote all the training manuals, marketing collateral. You know, there was a little piece of gecko in these 50 gyms around Australia, but the quality control was really hard yeah. because what you can achieve, you know, with your equipment and your branding and all that kind of stuff doesn't matter if the trainer's not good. Mm. And these gyms tend to have a fairly high trainer turnover. So I, fly to Perth and set up a gecko in Perth and then I'd go back six months later and the three trainers that I'd done all the training with had moved on and they'd just said to the next batch through, oh, you guys will take the kids program and, you know, obviously that message hasn't come straight from me. It's diluted a lot. The quality of the programs wasn't at the level that I was kind of happy with or proud of. So (coughs) we pivoted to, excuse me, we pivoted to a franchise model where... It was still the equipment kit and the branding and the, you know, everything that um, was recognisable for the Gecko brand and all the programs had come from me and my team. But it was based around a single passionate individual who owned a territory and if they wanted to then do it in a scout hall or take it to a gym, they could. Mm. And we had much more success with that. Yeah, that was definitely a better model where... It was kind of like, okay, you can't clone yourself. So when, you know, it was all about the recruitment. You know, we had a lot, we didn't necessarily just grant a franchise to every applicant. It was making sure that they really wanted to do it for the right reasons and they really had the right um, communication skills, presentation, um, you know, emotional intelligence to deal with kids and that kind of thing. And we, you know, we picked the the best candidates and they had some really good success. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously they've got vested interest and, yeah. and, and that's the big difference. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was PE teachers that 
did this as a side hustle. It was personal trainers who were young and loved working with kids and this was the perfect little 30% add-on that just gave them instant credibility in that kids' fitness space rather than trying to do it themselves. What would be some of like the key lessons you know, out of that then that you would, you know, like, because, I mean, it's, it's still a big problem, like, you know, in terms of the, um, an individual trying, you know, in the fitness industry trying to take that next step. Like, it's not something that I mean, the majority do. They kind of, you know, and they might have something similar. They might have started a gym or they might, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever venture they're going down into. What, what's, what's some advice that you would give, you know, those people if they, if, when they do take that step? So the advice, I guess, if someone had asked me that same question, you know, seven or eight years into Gecko, would have would have been all about selecting the right people. I think my advice now is utilise technology because what 28, and I know we're skipping ahead, but what 28 has taught me is you almost can clone yourself because you can take yourself into everybody's garden or lounge room or school through the calibre of the technology that we have at our fingertips these days and the, the quality of the content and the, the speed of the streaming and the <coughs> simplicity simplicity and speed to create an app or whatever it might be. So I think <coughs> that realistically wasn't an option, you know, probably you know, 20, 2012-2013 when we were really scratching our heads to how we scaled hard and fast. I think now it sort of is. Now, that's not a face-to-face experience still necessarily mm. for, your, for your customer, but if you think that can be solved around, I'd definitely say utilise technology to, your, to, your, to the best that you can. Yeah, awesome. So that gives, that gives us a good segue then into uh, 28 with Sam. So do you yeah. want to tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of give us a, a rundown and then we'll dive into the, you know, the, the, the journey right from the start sure, and, and sure. the, the lessons. Yeah, so Gecko was a lot of learnings and I had my own gym, the Woodshed, which I still have to this day, which, which, which I love here in, in Brighton. Even though the last two years with COVID has been pretty tough. But um, my, yeah, my most successful business by far has been 28 by Sam Wood, which we launched in 2016. And it was off the back of me being on The Bachelor and having a very fast-growing social media profile, being inundated with people in DMs and that, in emails and that kind of thing, saying, oh, Sam, I see your fitness content on your social platforms and... Um, I followed you on The Bachelor and would, would you be able to help me with a workout guide or eating plan or whatever it w- might be. So it was something I'd always admired. You know, I'd always looked at your Kaylas and your Michelle Bridges and thought, God, it's just incredible the reach yeah. these guys have and, you know, it's just a powerhouse. It's amazing. Um, without really understanding perhaps how much goes in behind the scenes to do it on that kind of scale, on that kind of level. Obviously, I have a much better understanding of that now and even more admiration for those people. But it was something I'd always thought I'd love to do that. thought to myself, I probably, I think I could do that. You know, I think I have a way with people that is to, to their level um, from both a trainer knowledge and a personality and communication skills. It's just understanding how to do that. And then being on The Bachelor just afforded me I guess the opportunity to give it a real go with the with the social media following and all these questions coming in. So we launched in Feb 2016 just as a website, no app, no nothing. Um, just a monthly subscription program based on web. Um, most people were doing it mobile web, but it, it really took off. We had 5,000 subscribers in the first six weeks and that was kind of that was the moment you know that was like, holy crap this is There's this is this is real this. this is pretty special mm. um for the first couple of years we basically reinvested every single cent back into the growth of the business um everything was outsourced to start with you know from from marketing to tech it was kind of me and then a few guys in a little studio in south yarra and i was creating content in my gym or in my lounge room and they were doing the behind the scenes web stuff and um and then it was and then it was like no we've got to do this properly you know we've got to reinvest this money from these subscribers that we're getting there's something really special here there's something magic about this this program and this brand and um you know the people that would join the program were getting fantastic results there was incredible word of mouth we still weren't even marketing that hard and we were growing really really fast so we rented an office, um, started to bring everything in-house 
you know, we sit here today, we've had nearly 700,000 people do the program. I've got 35 full-time staff and we're, everything's in ter- in, in-house apart from a couple of sort of key specific marketing functions. But, yeah, it's just it blows me away just to how crazy it's gone in that time. You, you must think back to those weeks of like, you know, the, the 50 to 60, 70 sessions a week and just think, wow, like yeah. how far it's actually yeah. come. I, did, I mean, I was, in a, I was in a florist down in Mount Martha last week and there was a lady in there and I had my mask on and, she, and uh, I was just in shorts and a singlet and she said, are you a trainer? And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And, and she said, will you train me? And the lady that owned the florist laughed. <laughs> And she said, oh, he's kind of a famous trainer. And she said, oh, right, so will you be able to train me? I said, oh, and I sort of really politely said, look, I'd love to train you, but I don't actually train anyone one-on-one anymore. I've got a couple of other businesses that I focus on. And the lady at the counter was saying, oh, he's got this 28 program. He trains like tens of thousands of people all over the world. And she was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll join that. Like, but it was just, you know, that that is absolutely where I've come from. It is absolutely why I am where I am. I mean, it, I get a lot of questions around... You know, why do you think you've had such success off the back of The Bachelor? I, I think the number one answer is I haven't changed who I am or what I do. You know, like I had been a personal trainer for 15 years and I've just kept being a personal trainer for the last seven. It just tends to be mm. through a different medium. So, I, you know, I, and I think when you've had that much experience, I mean, the, the qualifications are important and they're good, but I think it's the experience, you know, how to connect with people, how to inspire people, how to be real with people. I remember when we first launched 28, I jumped online and I did a little selfie video to all the 28ers and the guys in the web um, office were like, oh, mate, we're a bit worried about you doing that because it's going to become the expectation and surely you can't do that every day or nearly every day forever. And I'm like, why not? I said, it takes two minutes. I can do it from my car or my bathroom. Or I said, this is what people want. They want real, they want raw. Mm. You know, the polished stuff has its place. You know, Hollywood, you know, perhaps Chris Hemsworth's fitness program is far more uh, polished than mine is, but what people love is they get to train with me. You know, they feel like mm. I'm the personal trainer in their pocket. It's not just me being the face of a program that they don't have any interaction with, and that's something I'm really proud of, and I definitely think it's why we've had the success we have. Yeah, I was going to – I would love to pull on that string a little bit more because one of the questions I had – uh, you mentioned before about um, you know giving a good customer experience, um, and obviously I feel like that can be one of the big hurdles you have to jump in order to do that well in tech. You know, because yeah. it's it's not face to face personal training. It's not you know a lot of the time face to face connection. So how do you how do you then transfer the experience that you used to give face to face into you know this this uh, product that's obviously technological. Um, yeah, I mean, it's how do you how do you connect with your how do you connect with your member? And then I think now you know that's how what it used to be. Now in twenty twenty two, it's how do you connect with your member based on who they are when they need you to. You know, it, it has to reach that level of personalization and intelligence that based on their age, their training history, their goal, whether it's a Wednesday, what they said they wanted, did they want help with food, did they not help want with food, do they need motivation, are they intrinsically motivated? And then your app needs to be able to recognise that without them realising it's recognising that and give them a kick in the bum or a hug or whatever it is that they need at the right time that they need it. And that, that, that never stops evolving. You know, the sophistication of some of these apps out there fitness or not fitness you know they know what you're thinking before you even think it sometimes and they're they're there for you with the right message at the right time and you know getting in shape is such an emotional journey that I think it's probably one of the most important spaces where this technology can really really have a have a positive impact. Are you you guys deep in the AI side of things Uh, are you looking at it? We're getting into that yeah that's kind of our, our next our next horizon I mean there's still a fairly high degree of personalization and sophistication there already, you know, sending the right video to the right person at the right time based on their behavior or their goals or whatever it might be, you know, from push notification to video alert to um, motivational quote to sending them the right recipe or the right workout Mm. depending on their time or their budget or whatever it might be. But yeah, that never ends. You know, the technology evolves, your competitors raise the bar, you want to keep ahead of the pack. 
Um, you know, the thing that COVID did was it was brilliant for the awareness of digital fitness and at-home fitness, and it was a wonderful growth period for 28. But, you know, there was kind of five of us in the game pre-COVID, and now there's 500 of us. So it's, it's definitely... Um, it's it's good for us, you know. It's made it's made sure that we really just keep raising the bar to stay ahead. So, you, and obviously, it 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 um you know as you're you're scaling, right? That yeah. comes with challenges as well. Sure. Like, what what are some of the the I guess the challenges that you guys had to overcome as the company you know grew quite rapidly? Oh, the biggest one was probably going from outsourcing to insourcing. It was, you know. And 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 we, I would do it all again tomorrow. It's definitely been the best move, you know, having full control of everything and designated people that just work on your business rather than agencies that you know you might get ten hours of their time a week and they're charging you almost a full time salary retainer, you know, and they're doing a brilliant job. But tech moves so fast, yeah. and you want that collaboration, you want that ability to have an idea at 8am and have it implemented by 4pm, not, great, let's set up three meetings over the next fortnight <laughs> and just, you know, it's just, it frustrates you when you know it doesn't have to be that way mm. and I just think our speed of execution, um, the passion and drive that we have, you know, that we, we end up hiring these people who genuinely want to be involved with a with a business that's helping people mm -hmm. and they love that they're now not spreading themselves across four or five completely diverse businesses. They're actually devoting themselves solely to, you know, a business with such a good cause and, and such an exciting future. Did that all happen at once or was it like a, a no, piece it was by de piece? Definitely gradual. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing was getting those, um, you know, really big pieces in place with a CEO and a, um, Oh, our CTO from a tech perspective and then we've also got a chief commercial officer who has a really really good startup tech background you know they're they're very good with business acumen and numbers but they have a really brilliant track record from a tech perspective that they've just they've sort of been there they've done that they've taken businesses from startup to through huge growth periods and yes having someone like that's been brilliant too. Yeah, the, the thing that's always interested me is bringing in the CEO. Like, yeah. I mean, because uh, I'm guessing, were you the CEO at the beginning or like, you know, the, the person kind of guiding the ship? Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I didn't call myself the CEO. Oh, you are? Uh, no, no, I didn't and I'm not now. Yeah. But, I mean, I was effectively fulfilling that role probably quite badly. But uh, I think the most important thing when you're going through growth is to understand the bigger picture and to not worry about the profits now, focus on the profits and the and the returns later. But from a, in, a internalising perspective, to just be able to understand what you do well and more importantly understand what you don't do well. Yeah, and I always knew what I did well. I, I, but I, was, I probably took a little while to come to terms with these things that clearly weren't my specialty and I was actually hurting the business by trying to juggle it all and the second that CEO kind of had been there for a couple of months and found their imagine. feet and I could focus just on content I had more time for my 28ers I could be more involved in the the creative ideas and the the tech features that we were going to add based on what our competitors had or what other apps used and I didn't have to worry about anything legal or commercial or accounting it has just been a total game changer and we drive in very, very separate lanes, but we tend to drive at the same time. And um, the CEO is actually a guy I've known since I was 13 years old. He's one of my best friends. He is a bit of a genius, someone I've always admired from a business perspective that had had 13 years in the corporate game. And when he saw 28 exploding, we'd catch up often, I'd pick his brain on things and it wasn't until I said to him one day how many subscribers we had and he nearly fell off his chair at dinner that he went, holy shit, this thing's massive. And I said, oh yeah, no, I didn't kind of think it was massive, I was just really proud of how well we'd done in a sort of couple of years. And uh, I sort of flippantly said, oh mate, if there's ever an opportunity for us to do something together, we should explore that. And he rang me up a week later and he said, mate, the last thing I want is for you to think... I'm trying to jump on board your baby or take advantage of your success. I promise 
I will net this will always be your baby and I'll never tread on your toes but I genuinely think I could help you take this to a whole new level if you want to have that conversation and so we did and and we have and yeah we've never had a fight we work brilliantly with each other and yeah have done for the last four years yeah I mean that that's something that with this business I think once we can pull the trigger I'll pull that pretty quick I yeah. reckon um, yeah. the ability to bring someone in who just might be a better operator at a, in a particular role um, and especially in the CEO role because uh, you know, you said earlier on that you're a people's person, you know, so you can do more of the things and you can also go out and grow the business with content and so on. And that's really hard to do yeah. when you've also got to do all this other stuff yeah. and, and being able to segment that and, and organise your days around that and so on. And, you know, I, I throw a million ideas up in the air and, you know, two of them would land if it wasn't for him. You know, you know they all land because of him, but yeah. if it wasn't for him, I'd be like, oh, what about all those ideas? And he... You know, he loves the passion and he loves that founder instinct and drive and never satisfied and long out. Like, you know, he, he, he thinks, you know, he couldn't do without, you know, anywhere near as well with all of his skill sets without that, you know. And the team feed off that too, you know. Like, they love that they're hearing from the founder on a daily and weekly basis and, um, you know, it doesn't feel like a corporate organisation. You know, it might be a bit of crazy disorganisation around here and there but it always comes from a good place and a passionate place and you know I, I think the team really like that yeah amazing um so i want to go back to getting into tech right sure. because we kind of sure. talked about yeah you, you know um that's a big like for, for someone who's kind of not in tech at the moment maybe they've got a service-based business maybe they've got a gym yeah maybe they've got that something and and then hearing we, we should go into tech sure right like sure do you think and I'll, you know, this is kind of where my mind goes. That the first step to getting into tech is either going and, like, what what would you say the first step is, if that makes sense? Because I've got this opinion that potentially it could be content, like the first step. That even though it's not actually in tech, building some type of community around yeah. you through content and social media. Yeah, I definitely think that's as good a place to start as any, uh, and and I think, I mean, that that's a great way for you to to test the idea mm. you know like if you can't create good content that grows a community why are you investing hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars in a sophisticated tech platform for it you know like i, I think that's a great way to you, you know i don't test it for three years either but you know like <laughs> maybe maybe for a month or two to, to you know get some verification that you're heading down the right path but um i mean the good news to to everyone that listens to you is you don't have to have a tech background, you know. Don't don't think that you do. I, you know, I could barely send a text message. In fact, I'm pretty poor as it is now. You know, I, I understand it conceptually, but I don't code or, yeah. you know, understand any of that stuff. I know what I like from what works well and what looks good, um, but yeah, I definitely stay in my own lane when it comes to that. And there are so many brilliant. You just got to surround yourself with those brilliant people, and if you can't afford to employ them. You can definitely pay them by the hour, or get contractors, or do use agencies to to get you up and up and running. Um, and so, don't you don't feel like you need to be that well versed in tech. You know, you need the product, and you need the idea, or you need the community, or all of that. And then then the rest can be built around it. That's for sure. But I mean, don't go into tech for tech's sake. It's it's a yeah. it's a bit of a drug, and you know, you read the rich list, and you get all carried away. Yeah, you know, like it's a very easy trap to fall into. But if you definitely think your space could be scaled and scaled well with tech, then go for it. Do you think so? Don't solve a problem that doesn't exist. Like in the, as an example, like you know, you went into tech because you obviously had a capacity issue in a sense, right? You're like, I can't personally yeah. train, f you know, a thousand people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So do you think that you have to have the problem before you go into it? I always think solving a problem helps, um, whether it's solving a problem for your customer and that's the idea or solving a problem for yourself. Um, it, it's not a bad sort of way to reverse engineer it to, to give you some confidence that you're heading down the right track. But, yeah, I, I think it's... You know, I'd always spitball these ideas with my friends that were pretty brutal, you know, like mm. there'd many an idea I'd taken to people that had been shot down in flames before 28 sort of came about. And, you know, even Gecko that was 
varying degrees of success. It was very successful in what I learnt about it, but it never really hit the heights from a commercial perspective that I would have liked. So, um, yeah, I think solving a problem can be good. I think, you know, but you can get fixated on these things. You mm-hmm. know, you can get fixated on having to be first to market and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I, I think the world is big enough and there's enough customers out there that if you've got the right product and... And a, and a diehard community that really wants that product that you don't need millions of customers to achieve what you want to achieve. Mm. It's such a good point. I think you can definitely get swept up in in needing to go with the pack at times yeah. in business as well, and usually that's when you'll make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so uh, what do you think makes, you, you know, your business so great, right, that we can kind of pluck some kind of key areas out or key things that you guys do at, um, at, at your business that can provide really good lessons for other founders out there? Uh, you mean from a product perspective or from a business board, perspective? It could be culture, yeah. it yeah. could be... Um, or even from a leader's perspective. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's very... I mean, it's very collaborative and very... Um, I mean, I th- probably the best one is our product roadmap is driven by our customer and it always has been you know we launched 28 and we were black and we were orange and we sort of threw it out there to see what stuck and three months in 95 percent of our customers were female and it was becoming really popular with mums who loved workouts under 30 minutes that they could do at home either when their kids were at school or their kids were sleeping and so we softened the colours to be, you know, more attractive to the female. We, di- we didn't fight it, we embraced it, you know. We didn't get, right, we've got to do, we're gonna, why aren't we pushing more men's workouts? Men, you know, it was clear men didn't like being part of an online community anywhere near as much as women did. Yeah. Men didn't like training at home as much as they liked training at the gym, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And so we embraced that and that just helped us grow faster. It, you know, it, and the community fed off that. You know, they could see that we were listening to them. You know, we were launching pregnancy programs and postnatal programs and vegetarian and all this kind of stuff they were asking for. And still to this day we do. You know, we have a feature on the app where they can go in and they can make a suggestion for a new product and then the other members can vote on that and it goes up on a hierarchy and whatever's got the most votes at the time sits at the top of the, the ladder. And so any one of the tech team or a marketing team or whatever can jump in there at any one time and see the three features that are being asked for most or the three changes even as a company that are being asked for most. And you know, I really think that's held us in good stead because it's very easy to try and be everything to everybody. It's very easy to see what your competitors are doing and get sucked into trying to copy them all and that's not what made you great in the first place. Mm. Like, you've got to have that originality. You've got to understand who your customer is. You've got to understand why you had that success. Mm. And as much as you still need to evolve from a tech perspective because tech changes so quickly, if you move too far away from that, I reckon you'll come undone. Have you read The Lean Starter? No. No, it's a great book. It literally just describes everything you guys are talking about. check it out for sure. He's actually... I think he worked at Google. Yeah, and you know he's a, he's a tech guy, but he, it's a really good book on it. Okay, um, I'll check that out for it's, sure. It's great, but I mean, you guys are already doing it. But it, it kind of the way they put it is, and the way they teach it is is quite good. It's it's a good read as well. Yep. Um, all right, so now we're going to take a bit of a pivot and sure. talk a little bit about fatherhood. Okay, because um, I feel I feel like you know I'm I'm not a father yet, but one of the pressures that I feel as an individual at times is. You know, um, and we kind of talked about it before. Is like, you know, it's going to come at some point, and yep. oh, I got to have my shit together. <laughs> you know, I've got to, I've got to get the, you know, I've got to, I've got to make sure my business is successful before I'm a father, and so on. And and obviously, you've gone through, you know, um, a fair bit of growth, um, and in your business, and and obviously that comes with different pressures and and so on. But um, you know, I, I guess maybe some advice around how you are juggling, you know, this. Um, Great business over here and, and obviously being a father at the same time. Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the questions I get asked all the time, and, it, and it's really interesting because I get asked it and it's so wrong, is, oh, Sam, how do you get the balance so right? How do you juggle it so well? And, and I don't, you know, Snez and I get asked that question like we're super parents or, yeah. you know, we never have, we never get angry or, you know, the ki- we live this perfect existence because people kind of, you know, get a very unrealistic snapshot of your life through social media but 
you know, I think it's really important to tell people that we don't. You know, we're sleepy, we're tired and we're grumpy and we forget things and, um, you know, we try our best, but there is no perfect balance. I mean, working for yourself and having a business that is doing quite well and you've got great people around you has been brilliant for being a dad because, you know, you, you've got so much flexibility. Like, I would really struggle to do a eight to six office job without mm. any flexibility around that. I just love that I can... I, I'd rather be on my computer doing work at 11 o'clock at night but I've spent two or three hours with my kids during the day. But, you know, I, and I also... I think the most important thing about being a dad is when you're with them, you're really with them. You know, like uh, mm. you've got to be properly present. I think if you're kind of half with them and you're checking emails and you, you know, you're sort of stressed and distracted, you may as well be working mm. because the quality of the time and that you're giving to your kids, particularly your little kids who are really perceptive and they pick up on this stuff, is is you know, it's just not not even worth it. So. I try and be, you know, either 100% with them or 100% at work. COVID and working from home has blurred mm. those lines a little bit and made things a bit challenging, but I do have an incredible wife who kind of gets that and, and has been just amazing with it. And um, our office for 28 is only a kilometre from my house, so we've kind of we've juggled it as well as we could and it's been, it's been fine. But, yeah, just just don't, don't feel like you have to get it perfect because nobody does... You know, I think it's the same with even is there you know people were very regimented with the right time to have kids you know there kind of is no right time to have kids and there's definitely no wrong time to have kids like it just it's amazing how no matter what else is going on in your life or how experienced or inexperienced you are or how old you are or how financially comfortable or whatever it is you just kind of make it work because it becomes the most important thing in your life you know it, it, it having kids has absolutely helped me. I mean, they've helped me way more than I've helped them, I'm sure. I was a workaholic and wasn't that balanced and, um, you know, cared way more about um, materialistic things and, you know, sort of chased these stupid things that didn't matter, these, you know, financial milestones and that kind of stuff. Then when you have kids, that that all just sort of disappears. You know, you all of a sudden uh, don't care anywhere near as much about the hours that you work and you realise that the important things of life is the quality time that you get to spend with them. And still, you still want to be able to give them the life that you want to be able to give them, but it's very different than the you know, materialistic crap that you used to think was so important. Yeah, I, I, it kind of reminds me, like, I mean, it's not the same thing, but when I, got, I, I um, recently bought a puppy about nine months <laughs> yep, ago, yep. and um, I remember thinking about five weeks in, just how I just realized how selfish I was yeah you know totally. what I mean like yeah. I was like far out like yeah. the, the fact that I had to kind of care for them he you know he comes everywhere with me he yeah. comes to the office and and stuff like that and I would assume that kids is very much the same just on a yeah. on a whole new new level but um it kind of made me think about that when you were saying that is like just remember thinking in my head going Jesus yeah and but you know same I was thing. the same yeah. I was the same and I almost used to justify it by telling myself that it was an advantage you know like stupidly go oh it's it's good when you're single because you can work the long hours and you don't need to think about anyone but yourself but that's not really a good way to be you know like you know that might be true but you know it might help with the time that you can put into things but you're not a balanced well you're not as balanced or as happy as as you as you definitely can be I believe and I remember when Snez first moved to Melbourne, she came with Evie, who was nine years old, and so I didn't get get, get a warm-up. You know, that was mm. kind of from single bachelor, working and doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, um, to, oh, shit, I've now got these two great people that I have to think about more than myself. Um, and, and you know, the hierarchy definitely shifted. You know, work became... You know, it used to go sort of Sam and then work, and that was the only two things on the list. And then it was family, and then probably work, and then me probably last. And you know, as long as you don't neglect yourself and you still take care of yourself, it's probably the right order. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I think it's great advice, and um, it, you know, it's it's something because I, I I genuinely think that this is something that men in general before it happens and even during it's it they it can cause a you know um there's a lot of pressure that yeah. comes with it as a male you know what yeah. i mean like i know i've felt 
know, I've been thinking about this since I was 20. Yeah. You know, like that's gen, that's what made me try to take that next step in business. But, you know, you also, it also comes with, with a lot of pressure. So I think it's just a, a good conversation to have. Yeah, I mean, we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves about our, our work status. It mm. defines us and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, perhaps in your 20s it does. You know, you're very competitive and what's that person doing and, you know. But I think when you become a dad, like, the, you know, some, that, that's far more important than what you do for a job. So I, th- I think, yeah, it, it's, it's a really healthy sort of mind shift. And, I mean, I know from my own perspective, it was told to me by my friends that had kids before me and I always used to be <laughs> yeah. pretty like oh you don't know what you're talking about and then they were absolutely right you know like you almost need to experience it to understand it yeah 100 percent. i could i'm you know it's it's something i look forward to greatly yeah oh mate you're uh you seem like you've got it worked out far more than most men that don't have kids yet that's it, sure. it's oh it's easy to talk right like i yeah. think that's the thing it's easy to talk like i still have my moments you know I, i'm i'm vigorously trying to improve myself so and improve myself is not monetary, that's not how I measure it, it's, yeah. it's about who am, who am I as a person, you know, how do I affect the people around me and, and, and so on, but, you know, you still have moments because you, you, you know, obviously because of those pressures, you know, yeah. there's times where it can be tough and there are, you're taking risks and the pressure does build and, and so on and, and you can break, but I definitely think, you know, there's a lot of methods that I use to, 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 I guess overcome those obstacles and, and make those improvements. Um, yeah, as you read these business books, I used to read, you know, your Richard Branson books and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I remember him and others that always say, you know, as soon as you don't focus on financial success, that's when you'll have it. And I always used to go, mate, easy for you to say, like, <laughs> give me a break. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, it can't be true. It can't, and, and it's so true. But, so you just have to have faith in your mentors and these people that have got more life experience and more wisdom. I mean, be careful who you pick and choose, I guess. But I think, I think it, you know, these people do know what they're talking about. They have been there. They've done that. Like, take a little bit of, um, take a big deep breath and take some peace of mind out of the fact that what they're saying is highly likely, if not definitely true. <laughs> Because yeah. you do, you you put like you say, mate. You put so much pressure on yourself. Mm. Like you burn yourself out. You worry yourself sick, f- fixating on these things, and it's not doing you any good. It's not getting you any closer to your goal if you're spending all your time worried sick about you know where you're at. And you know, you listen to Gary Vee and all. He's you know the one thing he was saying is slow down. You've got time. Stop being so impatient. And you're 25 or 35. Like you know, he didn't know what the hell he was doing at 25 or 35. Like. Yeah. And I think it's some really sound advice because we are always in such a hurry. And I mean, social media doesn't do that any favours. You know, mm. you're always checking out these 20 year olds with Lamborghinis and going, what the fuck am I doing with my yeah, life? Yeah, stuff, And it's usually bullshit. So, yeah, don't worry about it too much. Yeah, 100%. The next, so, the next part of the, the uh, podcast is just quick fire. So, right. um, I always say this, and it's, it's really hard to explain because one time I said, okay, we're going to do quick fire. And I say short, sharp answers. And then all of a sudden, the the person that I'm I'm interviewing feels like they can only say speak for Two ten words. seconds. Yeah, right. right. So yeah, yeah. You just have freedom over it. Say yep. what you want to say. Take as long as you want. Um, and and the questions from us will be short and sharp. Okay. Okay. Um, one piece of advice for your younger self. Uh, well, probably what we were just saying before, mate. Uh, slow down. Everything will be okay. All right, so what advice would you have for someone thinking of getting into business? Stop thinking, start doing. I think so many people talk about it for too long without actually throwing themselves in the deep end. I'm a bit of a risk taker by nature, but you know, I didn't make money on my first couple of attempts, but it was so important that I just threw myself in the deep end, I think, to have eventually ended up where I've ended up. That's great advice. I feel like you can also get caught in this kind of place of overlearning as well. Yeah, like, totally. you know, like just reading books and, and doing the courses and, and then all of a sudden, you know, nothing's happening and, and obviously that can be quite daunting and, and reality is I think if you get into it and you just start moving and you start yeah. actioning things. You yeah, don't be reckless, but nothing's going to teach you about business like starting one. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what's the most important lesson fatherhood's taught you? 
Um, uh, it's just helped me slow down and realise what's truly important. Um, I mean, the last four weeks have been the best example of it. I mean, I've I've been into my office twice since um, since about the fifteenth of December. I mean, it's the beauty of tech. I can still do stuff on my phone and my laptop from anywhere, but. I never would have done that before and you know with my little girls and a pregnant wife and you know a teenage daughter it's uh it's just been just been bliss to do that and I take a week to usually slow down because I'm kind of pretty wired and I'm not great for that first sort of seven days but for the first time ever I've really slowed down this time and enjoyed every moment amazing so what's the most important skill or, or say characteristic for success in business and why <clears throat> that's a tough one to answer isn't it sort of depends on your role within the business but I think as an entrepreneur it's I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of different ones you know is is risk taking more important than hard work or but I don't know, from a leadership perspective, I think it's emotional intelligence. I think just that ability to understand that each of your staff is very differently wired to potentially how you are and therefore um, inspiring them or maximising productivity or maximising enjoyment in the workplace is going to be very different. 35 people are probably going to be needed, need to be treated 35 different ways. So I always think that was a skill that made me a good personal trainer because I could understand different people's goals and fears and you know motivations and it, it helped me treat them all differently and therefore get great success with them on a one-on-one -on -one level and I feel like that's transitioned really well across into being a leader with a small team so yeah I'll give you that one yeah I, it's totally true I think it's one of the you know one way when you start to scale out a business, right, and you start to bring on staff, and then you start to realise that not everybody's like you, yeah, or they don't, yeah. have, you know, they don't do things the same as you, or maybe they don't like to wake up at the same time as you, and and you know they they communicate differently, and and so on, and, yeah, and especially with different teams, like your marketing team, most of them are wired similarly to each other, but yeah. they're very different to your tech team, and they're <laughs> yeah. very different to your executive team. So, yeah, you you kind of work out. The subgroups within the big group, you know, like we'll go out to lunches and stuff and, you know, it's sort of chalk and cheese, the different conversations that you're having. 100%. Awesome, mate. Wow. That's, that's us. That's it. Thank you so it much for so having quick. me, mate. Yeah, doesn't it? That flew by. I just want to say a massive thank you for you. Obviously, you know you're a busy man, so thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks Anytime. to the crew for putting that together and, yeah, thanks, and making boys. it um, And to all our listeners, I really hope you enjoyed it. There's so much to unpack there and, and a lot of great advice, so... I really hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. Cheers, mate.